As the motivational firewood guy, Steve Gamlin blends back to basics positivity, visualization, and humor, teaching his clients to see their desired outcomes, understand their why, and build action plans to achieve them via his vision board mastery program, one-to-one and group coaching, plus live and virtual events. The bottom line is Steve teaches people to identify what their goals look and feel like and sound like and even smell like. And I love this. I can't wait to get into a conversation with Steve Gamlin. So you're going to want to stick around. The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to Rat Race Reboot. I'm your host, Laura Noel. And as a certified coach and former 27-year military leader, each week I provide bite-sized mindset pivots that will help you reset your mind, reawaken your spirit, and regain your control. Hello, hello, and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Rat Race Reboot. I am so excited to have this conversation with Steve Gamlin. We had chatted it up recently, and we had so many things in common, and we were just talking backstage in the green room uh, (laughs) about really the idea of feeling your goal through your five senses. And we even got into this topic of of the grind, being in the hustle and grind. And and you see that all over social media lately. So we might dive into that as well today. But first and foremost, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laura. Very happy to be here. And gosh, I've already enjoyed several conversations together. So I'm really looking forward to this one as well with the with the mics and the cameras on. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I'm excited for this conversation as well. I think it's really important. And I think it's important for people to hear this through other people who have experienced growth and personal development and and building a business and what that looks, smells, feels, and acts like, you know. Um, so before we dive into some of these deeper topics, I would love to hear about your journey. What got you started helping and serving people in the way that you're doing these days? It all goes back to when I was 11 years old. And now turning 55 this year, I I can go back and diagram the whole thing out. I wanted to be a radio DJ because at the time there was a TV show called WKRP in Cincinnati. And there was a, the coolest DJ in the world was Dr. Johnny Fever from that TV show. So I wanted <laughs> yeah. to be a radio DJ. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian because Steve Martin was huge at the time. I wanted to write my own books because my mom instilled a love of reading and writing into me and my sister. And I wanted to be a teacher of people, but not in a classroom setting because I had an amazing fifth grade teacher named Mrs. Farron, who, whenever I finished my work early, would encourage me to go and help some of the other students that might've been struggling with the lesson. So in essence, when I was 11, she had me coaching other people. And I loved the feeling of that and helping other people as well. So even though I lost sight of exactly what the targets were all those years ago, I've done every single one of those things, uh, survived 10 years in the radio industry as a rock morning show producer, and then an an online DJ, uh, on-air DJ. And I did seven years of stand-up comedy. I published four books so far, been a coach for about 16 years, and this summer will be 19 years as a speaker. Oh my gosh. What an incredible journey. And to have started at such a young age. And so when you were 
being asked to help other students. Did you kind of realize what you were doing at the time or is it kind of looking back in time? Oh, I was I've been pretty much coaching all my life. I had no idea at the time that that was actually what it was. I just love helping people. Yeah. And that she saw something in me that I was able to grasp the lesson and, and asked me to help other students get through it. it. It didn't land that that was coaching. Mm-hmm. I was just helping out some friends at the time. And, you know, all of these things have happened. Uh, most of them, the transitions between were absolute crash and burn moments of my life. You know, it, it wasn't just this nice, gentle arc of of ascension to all these things. <laughs> uh, I often describe it as my phoenix rides a pogo stick, and that's kind of how I get through life. <laughs> I'd love that <laughs> analogy. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, in the context of you serving people, coaching and helping people through all, all these ways that you're doing that, um, what was your journey like? What were some of the challenges that you faced as you um, really elevated yourself to where you are now? Um, and and that enables you to serve other people in a greater way. Uh, in my early 20s, I graduated college with a Bachelor of Arts in Business. I graduated what my dad used to call summa cum this close. I barely graduated because I wasn't <laughs> even excited about what I was studying for. I mean, I, I wanted to be an entertainer. I wanted to do all these things. Didn't have any confidence at all. And at age 24, was broken, depressed, living on my grandfather's couch. And I had this friend named Danny who kept asking me, why didn't you ever follow your dream of being on the radio? You know more about music than any of us. You play music for all the parties. You do all this stuff. Why didn't you ever do that? And ran out of excuses in the summer of 92. I went to broadcast school down near Boston. Didn't see Danny all summer because I lived in Boston at my mom's apartment. And a few weeks after school ended, I got an internship at a rock radio station we'd grown up listening to. And I drove to Danny's house and shared the news. And of course, he was proud. And I got the I told you so thing. Well, Danny passed away three weeks later. Wow. And the seed of the lesson was there, although I didn't get it for another 10 to 12 years. When somebody believes in you, and you don't, you should probably listen to them because they see potential in you. You've just got to be willing to move forward. So I did 10 years on the radio, crashed and burned that due to burnout and frustration. My first marriage ended, was tens of thousands of dollars in debt at age 35. And in August of 03, I had $3 left in my pocket in a Friday afternoon, went and hit some golf balls at a driving range just to get out frustrations. And I was at the farthest tee box because I'm a horrible golfer and didn't want to dent any cars. And I was under these big, tall, steel-towered power lines. And a thunderstorm came ripping through, and everybody but me ran from the storm. And I just stayed out there, barefoot in the wet grass, hitting golf balls, holding up the club, saying, go ahead, I dare you. Wow. And the next day, I was on a phone call with a brand-new life coach I just started working with. And when he stopped laughing at my retelling him that story, he asked, you ever thought of being a motivational speaker or a stand-up comedian? I think you'd be great at both. And within three weeks, I was pursuing both. And here we are. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That is powerful. Uh, So much to unpack there. And I, Mm. you know, one of the things I, I wanted to touch on was that idea of borrowing somebody else's belief in you Mm. when you don't believe in yourself. And it, it really resonates with me because One of my mentors, the late Bob Proctor, um, when he started working on himself and his mindset, he he would always say, I was $6,000 in debt and I was earning $4,000 a year. Mm. And I started working with 
um, he started working with his mentor and he realized that his mentor had the belief in him. And so he was going to borrow that belief in him because he didn't have it in himself. If, you know, he was getting fired from job after job after job. And I think there's a powerful lesson in, in that we don't, and actually it ties to grind and hustle. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily have to start out and do everything by ourselves. We can leverage the the positivity, the the skills, the knowledge, the mistakes of other people, um, and borrow that and and internalize it and move forward in our life. And I never considered that until just now having this conversation, borrowing the beliefs in you from somebody else, really seeing. I've always wondered, gosh, I wish I could see myself like these people see me. And that's a lonely place to be. So I can, I feel that. Yeah. And there's a lot of imposter syndrome and now it finally has a name. You know, somebody came up yeah. with the phrase imposter syndrome. I struggled with it for years and by years that's pronounced decades of my <laughs> life. And, you know, somebody recently said to me, Steve, you're so confident. You've got it all together and you're this powerhouse, you know, personality and all that. And I said, well, 100% transparency, my confidence can barely drive a car and it sure can't buy a beer yet because it's something that's developed over the past 16, 17 years. Right. After blowing up my life, the first decade of the 2000s, I was brutal to myself with my self-talk and my self-image and, and everything. I just was relentless at holding myself back and not seeing the potential and borrowing just enough from other people to keep going and going until a friend finally called me out on the self-talk and said, look, we can say all day long that we admire you, but until you start going easier on yourself, you're not going to get anywhere at this. And that was the moment that it shifted. So that, that, that was the third angel right there who showed up and I got a bunch of them. Yeah. But that's yeah. something I'll never forget. And that was uh, 10, 12 years ago that that conversation happened. That's amazing. Yeah. So did you, were there some things that you did in addition to just, it was kind of, it sounds like it was an epiphany, a few, few angels in conversations where, okay, wake up, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. the, it, nothing's going to change by me telling you how awesome you are. You have to believe it. So what, what did you actually do? Did you take a step back and kind of reevaluate and do something deliberate so that you could actually see yourself in a different way? I'd love for it to be like the Hollywood thing of all of a sudden yeah. the clouds part and the music swells up yeah. and the angels go, oh, <laughs> that's Hollywood. That's not real life. Um, it, it actually, it just started by my brain coming up with something in a situation that would be really self-deprecating, but funny. And that was the thing, because I could hide it for years because I could make people laugh while I just destroyed myself on stage. My brain would think of something. And finally, one day I just said, yeah, I'm not going to say that. Because mm. that's just going to throw more stones at myself. And an exercise that I do now with a lot of my visualization clients, when I hear them doing that, I say, look, get a sheet of paper and a pen, put it in your bathroom and write one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And every day I want you to look in your mirror, start at the top of your head and work your way down. I want you to find one thing you love, like, respect, admire, think is kind of cool, or, or that you can just tolerate if that's all you can do today about yourself. And if they can do all seven in a week, then they're going to start to see that shift happen where they're not going to just savage or trash themselves. 
in the mirror every day. And I always tell them, I said, look, I'll give you day one. If you get all the way to your feet and haven't found anything yet in your socks match, just write that down. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you were smart enough to make your socks match today. Day one right there. And generally that gets them laughing. And the next day they'll, they'll say, oh, I have nice eyes. I have a nice smile. My ears are kind of cool. I have these little dimples in my face. That's kind of cool. Or, or one of mine one day when I had lost about 15 to 18 pounds at that point, I reached up to change a light bulb in the bathroom and I go, hey, 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 ribs. Hello, boys. I've missed you. <laughs> so I, I wrote that, that down one day. I'm like, dude, I have ribs. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's, you know, what it sounds like and what I've experienced too is, yeah, it's not the, oh, the you know, yeah. clouds parting, angels singing. It's the deliberate practice of consciously choosing noticing first your thoughts and then consciously choosing something else. And then after a while, you start to believe these other thoughts that you choose and you start to see evidence that supports these thoughts that you'd rather believe. Yeah. Yeah. And a big part of it too, for me has been a gratitude journey over the last 11 years, being grateful for those little things that even if other people said it about me, when I started to realize that, Hey, you know what? They're not wrong. I just haven't been focusing on that. And every morning, 95 plus percent of the mornings over the past 11 years, I put pen to paper and write my three favorite moments from the previous day and no broad brushing here. These are exact specific moments in less than a line each as emotionally connected and weird, weirder, the better, which I love so that years later I can read it. I can actually see my handwriting and tell you the mood I was in that day. And it's been the greatest gift to my future self. Every time I do that, that's been a big help in seeing the wins in my life and not focusing on what I thought were weaknesses. Mm, and I, I love that you point out emotionally connected so you're not just, I had a great cup of coffee, I went for a walk. You're emotionally connecting to that feeling of gratitude in that moment. And what I talk about on the show all the time is feeling is the conscious awareness of the energy or vibration you're in. And mm -hmm. like attracts like, like energy attracts like. So we can often look to our results and what we're creating, and that will tell us where we're sitting at, where we're resonating at, but we have the power to shift it when we consciously choose our thoughts. But not only that, the distinction you made is when we get emotionally connected to those thoughts, we'd rather believe that's what sets up our vibration. And then we start to see different evidence that is in alignment with what we want. So I, I love that you made that distinction. Yeah. Law of attraction in action right there, because so yeah. many people walk through every day. Oh, you know, the world is terrible. The news is terrible. All this. They stare at the shoes of their phone all day long in their eyes, their ears, their hearts, their minds, their souls are just shut down and they're missing. You know, people say, oh, Steve, you're lucky you find all these positive things. No, I keep my head on a swivel and I, I look and I see and I hear things. And yeah. I feel things all day long and I'm attracted to those positive things. Doesn't mean the negative's not out there. I just choose to seek out the positive on purpose. And, you know, when you look for it, you'll find it. It just depends on what you want to look for today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, same thing. It's I focus on 
what I have control over. And what I do have control over is what I choose to dwell on and think about and what I look for. That's, you know, the the first thing. But it also shifts my perspective. I don't know, you know, it, it shifts my perspective when I do see something or hear something that is seemingly negative or or not very appealing. It I don't know, it, it it helps me not take it on as my own, but hold the space for different points of view and and but choose my own, you know, choose my how I want to feel in that context. Yeah. Reacting and responding to anything is a hundred percent on us. And, and so many people say, well, you know, this is bad, this is bad. No, you choose to react and respond in such a way. One of my favorite acts of kindness and favorite pick-me-ups if I'm in a funk is I'll just leave the office or the recording studio, drive 10, 15 minutes into town, and I'll go to the grocery store and I'll rescue shopping carts without pointing at them and complaining that some lazy SOB left this out here. They couldn't do it. And I used to be a person who thought that way years ago, but now I go rescue them. First off, it's a, you know, it could be a couple hundred extra steps in my fitness that day. That's good. Yeah. And second, I've actually met people who were so physically ill or perhaps with a disability that they used that carriage almost like a walker just to get back to their car and they didn't have the strength to bring it back. And I'll always hang back a little and ask, would you like me to return that for you? And they always turn around and smile and say, oh gosh, thank you. I hate to leave it here, but I can't, you know, I've got this going on. I say, hey, no problem at all. I said, Just make sure you take your purse out because see all these cameras here? We do not want to see six foot two me getting beat up by five foot two you. That would be embarrassing. (laughs) And so they don't feel bad. They're laughing. I'm laughing. I feel good. But yet I still see people all the time. They'll say, oh, look at the lazy person left the carriage. The person saying it will walk right past it. Mm. Miss the Mm -hmm. opportunity. Yeah. To to leave a plus sign in their wake that day. And that's all I do all day long. I just try to leave plus signs trailing behind me anywhere and not for glory or ego or pat myself on the back just because it's a good way to live. And I learned that by observing one of my grandfathers and how he lived his life. That's beautiful. And that when we're feeling stressed, because we're all humans, there are things, you know, if we're unconscious or we're tired, you know, um, we're not thinking, we have too many things, it seems going on. It's easy to not think and allow a person or a circumstance or something to get under our skin a little bit and we can react. But the quickest way to adjust in that moment is to take the focus off of us and extend it outward on others. And I, I love that. That reminds me of um, Bob always talking about leave people, people with the impression of increase. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. And and that's such a great way to put it. And I've, some of my favorite days playing, I always call it shopping cart rodeo. <laughs> my favorite days playing shopping cart rodeo didn't start off as good days. And and I can still remember the cackling laugh of this tiny little 80 plus year old woman when I said the line about, you know, take your purse before I get over there because, you know, I don't want you beating me up on camera. I was about 60 feet away from her car. Her windows were up. She was in the car and I could still hear her laughing. From that line, as I got to the store and went inside, yeah. And I always just look up, and I just go, "Okay, I was supposed yeah. to be here right now." And and people say, "Oh, does it switch your day like that?" No, but I always leave these situations better, and it's up yeah. to me to keep adding to the better 
versus getting sinking back down into, oh, it's a bad day or it's a funk. I just stack those up all day long. And if I got to go to the grocery store, rescue three carts, go inside, make the lady behind the deli counter laugh and let somebody else go first and maybe even pay a couple bucks for somebody's groceries behind me who might just have one or two items, which I love to do. If that's all it takes for me to improve my day, I'll head into town every single day for 15 minutes. Yeah. Oh, that is so beautiful. I, I love that. That I, I think of the Arbinger Institute and their work, um, how to turn outward, have an outward mindset. And that's mm. basically you're turning outward on everyone and every person you meet. You're seeing people as people yeah. with needs, challenges, and objectives. And we can, you know, we could do that in the simple moments just by looking at somebody, acknowledging somebody at the, the cashier's desk and just mm-hmm. making eye contact instead of staring at our phone and yeah. acknowledging them. That goes a long way. Yeah, It's a and blast. I, I love it. And, and it's basically just to, I don't know what the person behind me or in front of me said or did to their day. Yeah. I just want to leave them in a better place. And it just automatically does it for me. I don't even think I need to pick me up. I'm going to go do this for me. Yeah. It's never for me. It's a blast. It's so many of my stage stories now come from those moments. And that's why when people say, Hey, Steve, how do you make up those stories you share on stage? I just do the puppy head tilt and go, Really? <laughs> <laughs> Have you not been following my journey over the past 20 years? I don't need to make anything up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that is powerful. And I love this conversation because I feel like there's so much richness in it. And so many things that people can take away. And a couple of things off the top of my head where, where, one, we have the choice to think thoughts that are in alignment with how we want to feel. And it's a deliberate choice, number two, if our self-image isn't where we want to be, we can borrow uh, somebody else's view of us. You know, so if we're working with a mentor or somebody who we admire and they see the goodness and the best in us and we don't feel that way ourselves, we can borrow that and we can use that and leverage it to make the conscious choice. Hey, uh, I just thought this thought, we're becoming aware and this isn't serving me. I'd rather think something else. So there's so much goodness there. And And another way to build up and find evidence is by taking the heat off of ourselves and think about other people and just, um, it lights, lights them up, but in turn, it lights us up as well. So it's, we're all, you know, we're all connected. I'll get philosophically. We're all connected. It's, (laughs) (laughs) but I love this, uh, so much goodness in that, um, there was one thing that we were chatting about too, and I wanted to get to it today because I think it's. I think it's really helpful for a lot of people who might be entrepreneurs or, you know, reaching goals that they're working hard at and in the grind. And, you know, Rat Race Reboot is about helping people get out of that grind and do lead and be more effective in the things that they're doing so that they're leveraging the right things, not all the things. But we had an interesting little dialogue about this hustle and grind culture and what it means to be in the grind. And you have a little bit of a different point of view, but probably we we merge on a lot of points. And I would always say, don't be in the grind, use your mind to get out of the grind. Uh, but you had a, a different perspective and I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to grind, it, it takes me back to when I was graduating high school and my dad said, okay, 
get a, you know, a further your education, get a degree, get a job with a good company with good benefits and put your head down and grind for 45 years and then retire with benefits. Well, that's just not where my brain went. Yeah. And one of the things that I always associate with the word grind is putting your head down and just charging forward and working yourself to death. Too many people don't look up. Too many people don't know what their actual desired outcomes are, what their vision is for whatever success means in their life. And I teach eight different categories. It's not just this work-life balance thing. But too many people misconstrue the word grind to think they've just got to be moving and working so hard all the time and keeping their head down. Whereas I'm all about hustling. And, and we had the, you know, the little conversation about the words we choose to use. Yep. I like hustle as well. We can keep moving, but I believe we have to look up every once in a while and understand that anything, any goal, any desired outcome, any result in any part of our lives is going to take some work. It's going to take hustle or grinding, whatever word you choose to use. Just make sure it's the white, right one that represents your heart and soul as you're doing it. You don't see it as a negative. Yeah, I'll grind all day long doing what I do because I love what I do. It's worthwhile work. And that's why I also mentioned I can't stand the phrase, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That is the biggest steaming pile of dog crap on a cold sidewalk I have ever heard in my life because of that differentiation, because it gives people the misconception that if they find something they're passionate about, that it won't feel like work. Well, I'll tell you right now, everything I've ever done, as much as I love it, has felt like work but it is worthwhile work. And that's a phrase that was used in a book called Gung Ho mm -hmm. by Ken Blanchard and Sheldon Bowles. It doesn't mean that the work's not difficult or hard or taxing on you. It just means it's worthwhile work. It's worth it to do something you enjoy when it's worthwhile work, but it's still work. You know, people yeah. say, Steve, you're lucky you get to get up on stage in front of people. Hey, when I was driving two, three hours in any given direction to get on stage in front of 12 people for free for 15 minutes, it felt like work. Yeah. Yeah. But I loved it enough to keep doing it. And now I get to be on stage in front of hundreds of people at a time and get paid, which is it's wonderful and it's worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that distinction because I, I definitely would say if you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. And when I'm thinking about work, my definition of grind is like your original kind of thought process of grind where you got to get that, you know, that stable job and you got to work till you're 40 and, you know, or whatever. And it, you don't like the job and you're putting in long hours doing something you dislike. And then at home, you're probably complaining about that job. So you're spending most of your energy not really enjoying the richness of life. You're, you know, focused on doing something you don't love, but I can tell you also from experience and doing this for many years is, oh my gosh, I'm putting in the time, you know, building my coaching business and speaking. And yeah, when I have that couple hour drive to an event to speak or to teach, I mean, it's, it's work. I'm putting in the energy and the time, but it's work that's meaningful. It's purposeful. Um, it's aligned with who I am and how I want to serve. And there's a big difference there. And I think about, again, energy and the vibration of energy and what we attract, like attracts like. It doesn't mean that you're not putting in the time and the, the work and you need the requisite skills to do the things that you want to do. And it takes time to do that. But how you approach it also matters. So I could do this work and go, oh, I don't like marketing. It's it's a grind. 
but I could approach it from a different perspective of, hey, this means that I get to serve so many people doing this part of the work that I love, or I could hire this out. or So my approach could feel like a grind, um, or it could feel effortless. It could feel joyful. It could feel vibrant and elevated. And it's a, it's a choice. I think it's an approach. Yeah. And when we, when we align ourselves and, and you mentioned earlier talking about having to do this all ourselves, you know, I, right. I create social media content every day. I record my podcast. I do all of these things, videos, uh, reels. I'm going to be doing TikToks and reels and all these things coming up very, very soon in my program, in my coaching. When I felt like I had to do it all, some of it did start to be a drag. But then what I found was if I can team up and partner with people who are as passionate about what they do as I am about what I love to do, and maybe we work together mm-hmm. in reciprocal relationships, or I just hire them. Yeah. All of a sudden, I found that I was what I love to do most, I just kept doing. And what I didn't enjoy as much or wasn't as good at or as skilled for they were as passionate about that as I was about the stuff I loved. And all of a sudden, both of our businesses would get better. Yeah. And they yeah. said, I couldn't do what you do. And I, I'd answer back, well, I wouldn't want to do what you do because I used to do it and it wasn't that good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we we laugh about it now and go, oh my yeah. gosh, how simple was this? I kept saying, I've got to do this. I got to do this. Well, when you when you come at it with the mindset of, Oh, I got to do this. What's the likelihood that on any given day, even if you put it in your Google calendar, you're actually going to do it. One of the things I, I laugh at the most about Google calendar is I just grab a block and move it, grab a block and move it. (laughs) And all the things I don't want to do on, by the time Friday comes and I have to, I realize, you know, Hey, little box, you started on Monday and and I never (laughs) did you. And somebody would reach out. Hey, Steve, you want me to take care of that for you? Yeah. And an hour later, they'd get it done and I'd push it for five days and it would dog me yeah. the whole time because it was, uh, I I should just grind through this. And even the way you say the word grind, yeah. it, it pulls me down when I say that. So now I work with a team of people yeah. who, gosh, we're, we're a much smoother running machine now that I don't have to do those things. And, and it's not just instant. Believe me, it takes a long time to get there. Yeah, yeah, and I I was thinking too how we can't see our way out of that kind of mental grind if we're in it oftentimes. We yeah. have to take a step back and and so I think a piece that's missing a lot of times is people equate hustling to just doing activities toward your goal, but it's more my, the mindset behind it because we can be uber focused on a goal. And that's one way to leverage our brain and tune out distractions and your focus. But when you broaden your focus, that's when you can tap into intuition and creativity. So there's a whole nother aspect of your mind. And I think when people think that they have to work 24 seven and uh, hustle it out and get no sleep, um, and all of those things that that's what they should be doing. But actually the work is also, and I would argue even more um, important is getting the mindset around, um, you know, how do I, how do I want to be being clear? Like you said, having that focused goal, that purposeful vision um, that takes work, but it's a different kind of work. And it's a, a part of work that people 
it's like under the iceberg, you know, it's, they just see the, the manifestation of the work or the, you know, the physical work, but they don't see what's underneath. And that's that mindset work, which, um, it, it's not easy. <laughs> no, it's not in, in, you know, a, a slightly deeper part to that is so many people are out there going, Oh, I need work life balance as though there's only two things to choose between. It's yeah. like, I'm just going to work, 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 work. And like, will take care of itself. Well, the way I teach it, I'll run through it real quick. Yeah. Eight areas of life. And I use a life wheel, which is a pretty standard tool in personal development. And I've mm -hmm. got one that I've adjusted to the way that I teach and what I teach. The eight areas that I work with, and this doesn't even include material things, which is where so many people go to when they make vision boards, like an arts and crafts project. Ugh. <laughs> the eight areas, your physical health, your emotional well-being, your relationships, your core values and ethics that guide your thoughts, words, and actions, your faith and spirituality, if that's a part of your life, which do the same, your connection to the world in a real way, which a lot of people have struggled with the past three years, yeah. and also your work and your finances. I believe everyone should have at least one goal per category, a one-year term goal. Now, if it's a bigger goal, what will you accomplish in a year? And I believe that that is going to help you to create the momentum and understand that all of these things are going on 24-7 anyway. So wouldn't it be a good idea if you were aware of where you want your life to be in each one of those? And you're going to figure out really quickly that they all kind of work together and depend on each other. So it's not just put your head down and grind. It's if you take care of your physical health, you eat well, you don't overconsume things that are bad for you. You get enough sleep, you get enough exercise. That's going to give you more energy. Get more energy, you can work more and more efficiently. You do that, you can earn more money. You can buy some freedom, enjoy vacations in your relationship. And if you do it all with good values and ethics, you never have to look over your shoulder or worry about the whole house of cards falling down. Right. And, and, and staying connected, you don't feel anxiety or depression or isolation so much you gotta sometimes find these workarounds i wasn't able to be on stage so i switched over to virtual for three years so all of these things if you understand how many pieces there are you don't get stuck in that put your head down and grind towards this one thing yeah. they'll leverage each other mm, it's yeah it's like a more of a vision yeah what i'm what i'm seeing and i and i love the idea of having something in those categories because there's power in your brain when you're goal priming, when you have an awareness of those different areas and you're in a situation, unconsciously your goal in that situation can be triggered and you will act accordingly oftentimes without even being, you know, deliberately um, taking an action toward that goal. So I love yeah. that you have that awareness around all of those different areas. Yeah. That's powerful. It's a big help with your mindset. And, and right yeah. there for just the emotional one alone, I need to laugh out loud at least once a day on purpose. So I will put good music. I will watch funny videos. I will have a conversation with a friend. If I'm in a funk, mm -hmm. I've got this one friend I call and it always goes to voicemail and I leave the funniest recollection of the weirdest things we've ever done in life or gotten away with. <laughs> and every single time I feel better at the end of it. That friend calls me back after dinner that night and always says, brother, how did you know I needed that today? Yeah. And I say, well, bro, uh, I needed it, but I'm glad it impacted your life as well. And then I look back on my day and said, boy, it could have gone down a hill and it was better after that. So little yeah. tiny clicks. I, I equate it to like an old wooden roller coaster. You get in and you just go click, click, 
click can't skip any, can't start halfway up, but you can't enjoy the ride until you do all the little steps it takes to get there. Ah, I love it. Oh my gosh, Steve, this has been such a great conversation. I think people are going to walk away with so many nuggets of wisdom that they can apply in their lives today. And I, I just, I'm so grateful for you being on the show and sharing with us today. I am honored. Thank you so much for inviting me on. This is great. Now this is going to make the rest of my day better. Emotional Yay! check. <laughs> yes, mine too. Well, Steve, how can people get in contact with you um, if they want to learn more about what you do and, and have a conversation with you? Yep. Nice and easy. SteveGamlin.com. G-A-M-L-I-N. Everything is there. Okay. Well, we'll have your website in the show notes as well. So um, that's awesome. But again, I want to thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. So um, deeply grateful. And uh, for those of you listening today, uh, definitely reach out to Steve. And remember, as we end every episode, everything is created twice. First, in your imagination and your mind, and then in physical form. So keep that in mind, and we look forward to seeing you next week. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.